hello guys uh welcome to episode three of matrix hunters uh i'm racha sinha with my host uh peter o'donohue and we have our third guest uh anton hello what's your last name sheridan kutchmack it's hard to pronounce i know it. it's also not uh, on the screen yeah I'll, I'll, I'll let you say that <laughs> yeah um anyways um our last two talks were quite interesting. Um, James was talking more about his depression and different, just getting different viewpoints from that. Um, our first talk talking about fraternity, Greek sorority life, Greek life. Um, and here, uh, our talk today, um, I personally wanna present, I know Peter presented some topics last time. So I wanna present some topics uh, that are, that have not been uh, presented um, in our last two episodes. So like just branching out new topics of reality and consciousness and yeah, we'll have at it. Um, PJ, did you want to say something? Um, yeah, so Anton Sheridan Kuchmek. Yep, um, you got it. So you exist, um, why exactly? like what what sort of existence do you mean you know like because that's a very open-ended question like I could I could tell you I exist because I was born and like my family moved here and that's why I'm here but are you asking more to like the metaphysical like why do I believe I exist um yeah let's go with the metaphysical (laughs) I mean, I guess, I don't know. I sort of think that like humans are just on earth. Like I know this is the most like simple answer, but we just like live our lives and interact with our surroundings. And that's sort of just our existence here. Like, yes, you can like have some sort of like moral structure, but at the end of the day, that's really just how we govern ourselves. But other than that, it's just like, existence is arbitrary like does it matter that we're here maybe not but we're here regardless okay if that makes any sense that's a good answer um i actually um watched a video on youtube today it's by this channel called pursuit of wonder i sent it to peter earlier today but it was basically talking about like just like why we should stop worrying um and it was showing a video about how insignificant we all, our existence technically is. Like we're all so fucking insignificant. Like you could be the most popular. You could be, I don't know. We know like who's the smartest person ever lived, Albert Einstein. Okay. Like we know him, he's died like what 50 or some years ago, but then like a million years from now, no one's going to fucking remember who Albert Einstein is. Like, and our the the amount of time we spend on this earth is not even is not even as long as one frame in a movie like you could just skip over our existence and the movie will still be the same so like i get what you're saying that that our existence is just like surrounded by our surroundings or like it's just whatever we're um experiencing in the present moment and but at the same time that's sort of like it, that's everything you know because like people like all of ourselves like will get wrapped up and make meaning in what our surroundings are 
So it's like, it's an interesting duality because I wholeheartedly agree with you in that like our existence is meaningless yet at the same time, like we put so much meaning into it. I think it's good to have a balance between having a meaning and keeping it meaningless. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Anton, would you say it's healthy to be detached in any way from your, you know, contemporary society or your present surroundings? I mean, I think like the obvious answer is yes to an extent. But the real question is like, how much can you actually be detached? Because like to function in society, you do have to sort of like live within this game in a sense. And, you know, it's just, that's not even a question. Like you have to follow preordained rules. You have to, you know, seek out the same goals and, you know, I guess monetary, um, social, whatever, like just natural desires of humans. But also I feel like maybe it's best to consider the like um, the lack of meaning, not as uh, something to be scared of, but something to reassure you. Like I know sometimes I have a problem where like one thing will go bad and like all catastrophize everything. And then like a, a way to help with that is to just look and be like, you know, none of this really matters in the long run. Like, yes, I want it to matter, and I've put my effort into it. So on some level, it matters to me. But like, as you were saying, in the grand scheme of the universe, this really is just less than a frame of a movie. Peter, did you have something to say to that? Yeah, I guess a follow-up to that would be, um, what ways do you personally um, use to detach when you feel like you're being too consumed by the matrix or yeah like what um do you practice any ways of trying to you know re realloc wait i'm trying to make up a word like re 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 equilibrate into your real reality (laughs) i mean i could say you know like the the right answer is probably like something like meditating or like deep thought the common answer is probably going to be like, you know, drugs and alcohol, which, you know, I mean, I think it's a balance between the two. Sometimes like, you know, I think about what everything is and just like engaging in deeper thought is what allows me to disconnect from all that. But then there also very much is an element of like, you know, how I relax during, I don't know, like, especially like when I'm at college, like when, I'm the most wrapped up in this system. It's like on the weekend, I'm going to get, you know, near blackout drunk because that's like, it's how I relax and it's how I turn my brain off. So I guess like there's sort of different ways of approaching it. And one's the healthy way and one's the not healthy way, but not healthy way is the more fun way. It's a more fun way, but it's also giving you like instant gratification as well. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Um, but I don't know. I've been, I mean, I, I, we're all part of, we're all, we're all in college, but like, I've been able to manage, like, not, um, indulging into like drugs and alcohol and still keeping them ecstasy in my mind, like just still being like, still, because a lot of people would, as you said, like blackout or something, because they're just like the school stress, social stress, like 
all the stress that's like they've created in the week and it's all like they want to just like destroy it over the weekend and then they remake it and then it's just a constant cycle but I think like we're just so fed up with everything that happened in the past for like those past five days that we just want to forget it but like I think that if you just keep on moving on to the journey on like forward into the journey then you won't have to like get blacked out I don't know that's just yeah no like I definitely agree with that because I feel like getting blackout drunk on the weekend and I'm not saying this is something I do regularly I think I should clarify that that's something I see like you know being a member of a fraternity like I mean as you probably see it too but like I feel like that does very much create a cycle of like when I partake in that cycle it's like nothing gets accomplished like yes it's instant gratification but that's really all it is it's just kicking the can down the road Mm -hmm. so I guess like that being said what do you think is the answer to this like I mean I guess it's subjective to the individual but like how how would you go about breaking this cycle Peter you want to take that yeah I think a good one is not getting yourself too wrapped up in it to begin with like people put a lot of weight on social pressure like they might feel bad that they don't have um I'll use like a girlfriend as a good example like if you feel bad that you're not yet you're still single and your friends might be you know with other people or you might feel like um school is getting too stressful and like FOMO yeah FOMO is a good one I'm trying to remember some of the things like just like being kind of anxious so you feel like you need to drink more too because like that's another thing I struggled with is like kind of going into a party I get like anxious then to be like oh I'll just drink more and then you get too sloshed yeah and so it's equated with relaxation you know yeah so I'd say try to get to the source of like the things causing your fear or stress, because once you face them direct on, then you'll realize like, Oh, I don't need to get nearly as tipsy or tipsy at all to have like a good time. Or like, I don't need to, you know, overdo it with the alcohol to get rest on the weekend or to like reset my mind. Cause you can just do that. Either like, I guess if you dip it in the bud kind of thing. Yeah, nip it in the bud and then just find healthier outlets. Like, you know, I know Oscillation Gang, we do some wholesome activities. Oscillation Gang is the name of like um, our friend group, by the way. And it keeps collective. The name keeps changing. Yeah. (laughs) It has multiple names. It's all part of the like lore, whatever. Yeah, but we'll do wholesome things like go bowling or like um, enter into the darkness or just like walk around at night that's Raj and I did that we were walking around yeah. a random neighborhood at night just talking about life dude, dude we slept at like 6 a.m that night yeah <laughs> so yeah. just just doing like random adventures because I think that's another thing is people get really caught up in the like monotony and like they really don't want to branch out so it's just like okay let's get drunk again and that's something like Sorry to interrupt you, but you brought up a really good point that I'd like to um, clarify is sort of like one quality I really look for in friends and like just appreciate in people is spontaneity. And that's something I've noticed like a lot of people sort of caught up in the system lack of like just having the ability to have a lot of fun doing some random ass thing, you know, just like off the top of your head, 
because like i don't know so many people get like caught up in the social structures of like okay we're gonna go to this party and then go to bars and like you know it's that's fun don't get me wrong but like it is also fun to do like you know go to the like random ass middle of the woods and like yeah you know just explore or like you know do some shit in the city that's like you know find some weird place or whatever yeah i mean that's the whole thing with like excitement too like um i don't know when i was part of a fraternity like i would it was what it's just i mean anton you also know like it's just every single weekend you're just doing the same shit over and over again until the semester's over you go back home and you do it again like yep but like no and like when I came freshman year, I was like, holy shit, like this is amazing. Like I can't wait to be doing this every weekend. But then you like our mind is created in a way that like if we even do the the most fun thing, that it just gets boring after a while. Like we want that's why, like, as you said, spontaneity, like it's so exciting to us. Cause like when we keep on doing newer shit, then it's like we we want to do it. Like we want to do things we've never done and like jump into things that jump into the unknown because it's yeah it might be fearful but also might be exhilarating so yeah i mean that is human nature yeah Yeah. so since y'all were more involved in the party culture than i was was there any ways they try to spice it up to make like the party more intriguing or does it just basically follow that'd be like theme like jersey themes yeah hawaiian theme (laughs) i don't know if um like your fraternity does this but sometimes we'd hire live music it's like i'd say like our best parties would be if we do something like that but that's that's about the extent of it besides themes Uh, just like get a band or something to play yeah oh shit yeah it's actually fun I mean, I guess that that does sort of change the event to one, not just about drinking with people, but also about like culture to an extent, you know, rather than just like having the same like, you know, party songs being blasted on the speaker, you at least get some like a living band there, which makes it a little better. Yeah, no, and I also know like I used to sometimes like handle ox and stuff at parties and then I would, I can't like, I would not be able to really play the songs that I want and it's more like what the people wants than yeah but then like the party could be more lit so it's like I'm doing what I I'm doing so I'm doing what other people want so then people will like this fraternity more so then I don't know it was nothing about it was fucking intrinsic it was just like I had to do this in order to, to do that it was always fucking goal I had to do it I had to do a certain thing it was all like transactional I don't know I Dude, that's I get so scared like um being offered ox at parties. Like I never do it because I'm like, what if people make fun of what I play? You know? <laughs> yeah, if you play like drain gang or something. <laughs> Bro, yeah, you, you're gonna be scaring all the girls <laughs> away. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, Anton, did you say there's any like have you had any experiences where people do you have any gripes with the matrix in particular like the like you were describing how you didn't like how people weren't spontaneous enough or you preferred spontaneity which is usually not a matrix characteristic um yeah would you say like i guess what what would you say are some things like i guess instead of talking about in terms of matrix let's talk about the one mary community 
I okay. talk about that matrix. Like, what about the William and Mary community or people you've interacted with? Have you noticed, kind of broadly speaking, that doesn't like that rubs you the wrong way? Okay, so I guess I can talk in the broad sense, but I can also speak from experience. Um, one thing I think is very important to like think about with the William and Mary community, and I see it a lot, is just the sheer amount of privilege. Like with most people who attend the school are, you know, upper middle class, if not, you know, above. And there, I feel like, especially in the Greek life community, I run into a lot of entitlement of people who have just really had everything handed to them. And I mean, like, I say this, I also acknowledge that I am very much privileged in my, like, so I'm not saying I'm exempt from this and that, like, there are parts of me that are symptomatic of it. But, like, you know, I know that, like, sometimes a lot of times when we have parties, I'll be on um, bar or whatever, and, you know, people will come up and demand that we have a certain type of alcohol or like you know just we go above and beyond with service and it's like it just rubs me the wrong way when like people will demand this and be like you know it's like look you're in here getting free entertainment free alcohol and like yet you're so entitled that you think you like have the ability to demand further of this like that just always rubs me the wrong way um lack of spontaneity but I guess I can't blame people for that and then I guess like the third point probably would be just a general prioritization of academics over everything else which I mean I get it we're paying all this money to study at school but also like there's I feel like there's a large percentage of the student body that focuses entirely on academics and doesn't really see other opportunities besides that at least in my perception. I could be entirely wrong and not getting this, but this is how I see things. In terms of like um, like people being privileged, do you kind of mean like people are not grateful for the things they're handed to or given and they just constantly want more? Is that kind of what you're saying? I'd say some people definitely are like that. Definitely not everyone and not everyone who's privileged at William & Mary. But there's a sizable population of people that I like, in my experience, that's sort of what I gauge them to be like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're saying they like complain, they kind of complain about when there's nothing to complain about, sort of. Like, yeah, but they're really- like You're complaining about one specific alcoholic beverage. Do you know what the alcoholic beverage was that they demanded? Oh, it's like, it's just a couple of times when like, I'll be on bar and a group of girls will come up and they'll be like, hey, um, what do you have here? And I'll be like, okay, we got two types of punches. We got wine and then we got beer. And they're like, oh, so no, like Trulies. And I'm like, <laughs> those cost like 20 bucks for a pack of like 16, something like that. The shit's expensive. Yeah. And we can't really afford that for open parties. No, yeah, I remember like um, we would specifically get a lot of Trulies just so we can attract more girls to come to our parties. Like, oh, it was, it was, it's retarded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, but Anton, I mean, well, this podcast is also like, it's also, I, I forgot to like say it in the beginning, but it's also attempting to find if you're stuck in the matrix or not, but it's also like having a deep conversation. So like, I wanted to ask you, um, why did you join a fraternity in the first place? So I guess that's interesting because um, I didn't pledge until my junior fall 
So like it, it was a while. And I think you mentioned you pledged like freshman fall or something like that, right? Freshman spring, yeah. Okay. So I mean, there's a lot of reasons. Starting off, my parents like were fairly anti-Greek life just because of their experiences going to college in the 80s, you know. So it was like it was very different back then. But I I mean, like off the bat, I just didn't have that much interest. But then um one of my close friends from William and Mary convinced me to like give rushing a try for his chapter and you know I'd gone to frat parties before and enjoyed them but um so I, I ended up doing that I met a bunch of people like I enjoyed the company of and I also like the values of the organization spoke to me like I one thing like I saw about um when I joined ATO was they took risk very seriously and were like you know, make sure this guy's not being creepy around women, make sure that like we have someone on door. So if the cops come, like it was all very like well organized for the that stuff. And like, and sort of made me think of like, honestly, it's better to have a body governing this stuff than just leaving it up to the individual so that there's like risk eliminated. That's one facet. I saw like the first couple parties I went to. Um, but honestly, the biggest thing I'd say for everyone joining Greek life is really they do it for the community. And I like the people, I like the traditions and opportunities it provided. And um, it also like, it has some professional benefits of like, you know, networking or whatever. I haven't really experienced that, but that's what people say. Okay. Um, what about like the brotherhood aspect of it? Um, would you consider them almost as the same as your, as your own like biological brother <laughs> i mean I, I i think like yes the answer i'm supposed to say is yes um in reality there definitely are like brothers i am closer to than others and i think you probably have that same thing how many um brothers does ka have uh, i think now they have like 50 or something yeah that's about the same size as us so it's like you probably experience this too of like there's there's definitely like groups that I don't know are like you know everyone still is this part of the same organization but there's people who are like naturally hang out with others more mm -hmm. so I'd say like at the end of the day I could hang out with any of them one-on-one -on -one and still enjoy it but mm -hmm. you know there's people I naturally gravitate towards yeah plus like if you had 50 biological brothers like it would still be hard to feel close to all of them yeah exactly. <laughs> i got six siblings and it's hard to i mean yeah i love them all but it's hard to keep in touch with all of them yeah so it's i can imagine yeah yeah that would be difficult wow six biological damn yeah big uh, wait so like what's the um if you don't mind me asking like what's the age range of them all like and where do you place in that um, it's gonna sound bad but I don't really know how old my oldest sister is but I think she's like uh, maybe like 32 33 and I'm I'm 21 so about like 12 years difference Damn. approximately Whoa. yeah um give me your mom dude <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was crazy that my sister was like eight years younger than I am, but like that 12 years and then six siblings, like that's, that's pretty nuts. Yeah. Are you the youngest, Peter? I am. Whoa. Whoa. Damn. 
Are you also the tallest? Yeah. <laughs> Damn, that's pretty, <laughs> yeah, cool. That's pretty cool. cool. Yeah. One of the um, questions I had that I want to put out for this podcast, um, Anton, what's your, what's your, what's your perspective on the ego, the ego of our mind? Ooh, that's a good question. I think like it really is a driving force for a lot of our like wishes, desires, sense of self, but just as much as it drives us it also holds us back of that like we get too concerned about who we are what how our actions reflect on ourselves and our status so i think sort of having a way to keep your ego in check not only like makes you a more well-rounded person but also like the obvious answer of like it makes you a more bearable person to be around because if you've ever like had to interact with a complete narcissist it sucks Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, I guess that would tie back into kind of like the entitled people you were talking about, like kind of egocentric mindsets. Um, but how would you say, how would you describe your ego? Well, I mean, I think any answer I give you is going to be biased if it's coming from me. So I think like, I don't know, I would say oh this this one's hard like I definitely used to struggle with um having an inflated ego when I was younger and I think a little like definitely like before the pandemic it was sort of like you know I everything is great about me and like you know the world is lucky to have me in it and it's like it's still good to have a sense of self-worth but also like I realized maybe that like I shouldn't just prioritize my wishes, but also like realizing that there's a greater collective of people and working towards like, you know, to benefit myself first, but also so that it doesn't hurt anyone else or like it just helps the common good. It's very abstract terms, but I guess with a question like that, it's really hard to point to anything specific. Yeah, no, it's definitely a difficult thing to describe it is like it's basically describing how you view yourself as a character in your own story yeah so so I guess uh if you don't mind me flipping the tables and asking you all a question I guess this one's mainly for Peter since I know like you sort of have an interest in um like psychedelics and their effects on humans that a common phenomena is ego death like how do you think is that a good thing is that something that like you think people should experience especially people who have an inflated ego like what just what are your thoughts on the general topic yeah i think the the ego death is very helpful in that it frees you from your own preconceived notions that might be holding you back because to have uh it's this idea called non-self where if you don't have a specific ego then you can kind of embody um, multiple personalities or multiple egos or not really be confined by one ego and I think it's definitely worth something like it's something worth experiencing because I know yeah like you were saying I've had some inflated like times in my life where I had a very inflated ego 
and it didn't really benefit me at all like sure you might feel like you're hot shit but if you're really not hot shit it's not really like you're just gonna you're setting yourself up for a lot of suffering because if you think you're really cool and then like you get embarrassed then it's like basically the end of the world and your your ego (laughs) can be very dramatic and try to make you like it'll make you depressed i mean and the depression can lead to an ego death you don't necessarily need psychedelics um and so that's why i view depression as not not a bad thing i think actually people who are depressed are a lot closer to true living than people who kind of live in the middle where they're just getting by or just doing enough to fit in but not really being like the most popular but they're not like the complete outcasts and so what about those people i'd say like they're in a kind of a bad spot like i feel like it's bad to be in the middle like if you're just coasting by yeah because i think you're i think an outcast as much as they might be likely to do like commit suicide or do something really bad like i think they have a higher likelihood of completely transforming themselves if they're in like a deep depression than someone who's just like is good enough to get through so do you view depression thus as like a necessary step for a lot of people like to complete that chapter of their life to progress to the next thing yeah i'd say so because the the really it's the depression is kind of I think in like mental alchemy, they refer to the black sun. It's like the death stage of someone's life. And I don't, I don't think it's necessarily, it's not, it might not be necessary. Like you, I think you can change your personality without depression. Cause like, you know, you can't really say there's one route to anything, but I definitely think people who are depressed have a false perception that they're in a very bad situation. I think it's like the start of something good. No, I can definitely good outlook to have sorry yeah no i can sorry i interrupted you you're good you're good um literally what you guys describe is exactly like how is exactly how i'm even doing this podcast right now like um for me like i never did psychedelics and i i want to try but yeah it was definitely like being in quite severe depression and around like a few months back or like a few uh it's like six seven months before but it's just like that changed me and uh, yeah like during that time it was very difficult um just even getting through the day like just even doing anything but it's it all stems from the mindset like once my 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 mindset started evolving day by day and just living more in the present and that just focusing on the next step I have to undertake, then I believe in a sense that I did get an ego death and I did used to have inflated um, ego as well. And that now I can really see who I am and I don't need to lie to myself anymore. I don't know, but I definitely feel what you guys were talking about. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for um, sharing that. It was like, I guess I never really thought of an ego death as something that could just occur naturally, but like, it does seem just like common sense that it would, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you don't mind me asking, have you ever gone through, I guess, depressive states in the past or? I mean, I feel like, yes, And no, because I'd say the only time I would have considered my state to be truly depressed was when it was like sort of a direct product of like the pandemic. Like, 
I don't know, like summer 2020. And like, I mean, to an extent spring too, but it was just so new then. Like that was a very like difficult time for me as like someone who is very much an extrovert, like, and not being able to get that level of human interaction. Like, I don't know. It was like for, cause like I would see people like maybe once a month at most, just because like my parents were really strict about COVID during that time. So I don't know. I mean, like, so I would consider myself depressed then, but also like the, it really was a product of what was going on at the time. So I'm not sure if that counts as like normal depression. I guess that would be, yeah. I mean, I guess that would be more related to like, as opposed to personal transformational depression maybe not so much um but did you gain any like in response to you actually like i guess sorry to cut you off there like oh uh, but like yeah i was just gonna say that like even though like i didn't feel like my personality changed over the pandemic and i did become a lot more like grounded and centered as a result of it okay so, so you like, got some you got some good out of it so there definitely was personal transformation and there was like parts of the pandemic like the whole like lockdown stage that weren't bad but also like there was a lot of it where i, I would say is a depressive state what what would you say your relationship with suffering is Like just in general over my life? Yeah, like how how would you describe suffering throughout your life? Like which like which suffering, what causes you the most suffering generally? And also how do you view it as in terms of like either negative or positive or is okay, it necessary so or unnecessary? I'll I'll answer the second part first. The like how I view suffering is I see it as just a like maybe not a cycle, but just a part of life. Like it happens, there are the good times and the bad times and like they all will pass equally so. So like in that sense, I know too, like just if suffering happens, I didn't know that there will be better times ahead, but I have to get through it now. But it also like, it does suck in the moment. And I don't know, a lot of times like, Suffering, like, it's interesting because I'll feel bad for, like, sometimes selfish reasons of, like, oh, this situation is negatively impacting me and there's nothing I can really do about it. But then also, like, I will sometimes suffer, like, when there's a, like, ongoing, like, some something greater happening that's not, like, you know, other people are suffering or, like, a bad thing happened in the world kind of thing. Do you, th- you feel that in a way that suffering, regardless of if you view it as a good or bad thing, um, still helps you transform as a person? Yeah. I mean, if, if it's natural, like people can't grow without bad times and you need to be tested to learn, at least like with life, I feel like. And, you know, suffering is just the part of that. Like you learn to deal with suffering and you learn to deal with life. <clears throat> Would you say right now in your life, you're in a period where you feel more tested or are you kind of in a, the good times? Like you're done with the final exams. You're just chilling. It's never straightforward. <laughs> it's like, 
on one hand, I like I finished my majors capstone this semester and like, you know, got good grades and I'm glad that's all over. But then on the other hand, it's like I only have one year left at college and then I'm going to graduate and I have no idea what the fuck I'm going to do right now. So it's kind of like this existential like I got to figure something out. I got to get an actual life. And then also there's there might be like a fucking recession like happening soon if not now so it's just like that's bad news so I guess there's like there's a temporary happiness and then ongoing existential questioning yeah I guess there's nothing or I don't know is there anything you can do about the future do you think like because I'm not sure like what if you're trying to do um like study more do I don't know or are you just more concerned about the future in general, like how it might turn out? I mean, I don't know. I like, it's more so there's things I know I need to do, but then also like, you know, the world's governments are sometimes kind of fucked and like, you know, the, the situation of the world isn't too good right now, you know, like with the climate and everything too, and like war. And it's just like, you know, it just seems ongoing. Like, are is humanity headed for a bad course i mean like the optimist in me hopes not and i hope to like i don't know do my small part to help maybe change things but also like there's there's, what i was just saying there's only so much you can do yeah and it is sort of just like have we already lost kind of mentality yeah um there's this thing, I don't know if you guys took, I mean, yeah, you guys took like chemistry in high school, but um, <clears throat> about like spontaneity in terms of chemistry, um, spontaneity is a natural thing that happens in chemistry. So everything leads to disorder, leads to chaos. And I think one thing about like this whole social matrix thing that, or I don't know, you're seeing all these things happening right now, Ukraine, Russia, climate um climate changes global warming um we all try to maintain like okay like homeostasis like everything needs to be just like like this structured every um everything we need to be all law-abiding citizens blah blah blah. but then how for how long like nature is meant to go towards chaos and what what do you think that like do you think we'll be that forever we're going to keep on maintaining this being civilized people and all that <clears throat> or that sooner or later people is going to be like fuck this shit like fuck this whole bullshit society we live in and they just want to do where the fuck they want i don't know like what, what do you i'd mean? like to see the latter yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> you, okay, so, <laughs> you want to see people just say like screw it yeah I mean, I feel like it would be, I don't know, I'd like to partake in that, but also, like, I don't know where that would go, you know, like, what would happen to things? There would have to be some kind of catalyst, I feel like, too, to push it over the edge, you know? Yeah, but I feel like a lot of people are just getting, because I feel like, for, for an instance, like, this war stuff, too, like, yeah it's wrong but it's also like people are like people are fighting other people because 
as animals, like that's what we do. Like we want to gain territory. Like it's our like animalistic instincts that are coming over. So it's just for how long can people just, I, I don't know. I, I see like chaos as an inevitability in our, in humanity. That's, that's what I think. Because we just naturally gravitate towards that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. People like, I was thinking about this the other day, like, yes, there is an existing order and structure of everything, but like people really like in their daily lives and thoughts and all that, I guess like there is freedom that exists and people don't really apply that order to themselves. So like, why are we applying it to just society in general? I'm not, I'm not sure that really made any sense, but Wait, like, yeah, sorry, can, can you repeat that? Yeah, can you repeat that? Sorry. <laughs> uh, so like, I'm not gonna lie. I was kind of fried when I like thought of this. So like, you know, I'm not sure if this makes sense to the sober mind, but like, I think like people in their daily lives, not like not interacting with society just at home or whatever, like don't really have, um, the same like structure in their actions as is expected by society like you go into someone's house and every single house is going to be like completely different and like it's not like people adhere to these same structures I mean like yes like you know people like sometimes will do that but when left alone do humans really favor the specific existing order we have so do you I'd say like in terms of socially not at all i think i think so many people are suppressed by the idea of like these are the types of conversations you can have like these this is the type of humor that's like gonna make you cool or normal um there's like a lot of stigma kind of attached to like the bizarre or the strange i feel like i mean it's gotten less like people can dress weirder now which is cool but like there is very much this idea of like you have to fit in certain archetypes to socialize. You can't with be people. too weird, you know. Yeah, you have to yeah, be you just have to be like weird enough weird. that it's interesting. Like you can be goth or you can be this, but like you can't be too, um, you know, matrix shattering, or else they'll start to get uncomfortable. And then so just like not enough freedom of expression. Yeah, I think that, and I just think like the whole judging each other. Um, I don't know. I think it's been destroying people. <laughs> like, I feel like people have tried so hard to put on this persona of the ideal modern man or woman. And it just, it like, it just destroys the people who can't do it. Like, like if they can't look a certain way or they can't act a certain way, then they just become. Cause if that's their whole conception of like what they should be and they fundamentally like lack something that helps them adhere to it then like that just sort of invalidates your perceived purpose of life yeah and i think they have the tendency to lash out at what they can't achieve like that's what i think is it's the problem with like once you once people fail to achieve the societal ideal they can fall into the trap of hating it or hate like trying to destroy the people who might embody it more and I don't know if this can be kind of a reach but like I do know there's like a lot of like vitriolic hatred for Greek life and like for some some people 
And I, I know like some of it, like they might have justified reasons, but like a lot of it does get to the point where people will say things about like sorority girls or fraternity brothers. And it's like, okay, you are just lumping in a bunch of people in this one criticism. And it's kind of like, like I know we've criticized some part aspects of Greek life on this podcast. But we don't, I mean, as by it no means, be, like it's not without its flaws, but yeah, like we, but we know by no means just try to categorize all of them as a certain way or like hate all of them or say like, Oh, they're all privileged or they're all just buying friends and it's pathetic. Like, no, we don't, we don't hold that view because it's just like, that's just not how it is. It's just not real. So I don't know. Sometimes I feel like people just start hating the things they're either not a part of, or they couldn't be a part of. And they start, it's like, yeah, basically. I think I mentioned this before, but I think a lot of people just hate is because they don't know the full picture. Like that's the whole thing with judging too. It's like, they don't see the entire thing and they just see it from their own perspective of something and which also like that's prone to confirmation bias like if you have a belief and then you see like all this information you only pick out what you want to see yeah yeah and then we fail to see the full picture and then we're like oh like i i saw this and this is what i'm gonna believe so fuck them but it's like no like why do you got to just stick to one perspective like look at everything that's the whole thing with like court cases too it's like you don't ever just make a decision just based on like the someone that's accusing you it's you got to look at both ways and then from there you see like okay what's the best decision to make it's not just oh just this one perspective that's got to be right and fuck fuck the person he's guilty i don't know just like that's like we always hatred stems off of not knowing enough that's why i have to say about hate <laughs> yeah if you actually spent time to like invest in learning about what you think you hate then you know you see it for what it is and you see the flaws but you also see the good things of something and i think that like that broadly like can be applied to just like hate in general so when is hate do you think hate is ever justified or good? I don't think so. I mean, for like, I feel like atrocities, yes. You know, there like there are times like where a hatred of like, I don't know, like someone carrying out a massacre or like, you know, some like horrific chemical weapon being used. Like, the, I feel like hatred's justified there, but that's like, you know, an extreme case kind of thing. But we can, we can hate what happened, but I don't know if we can hate that specific person because we don't, we need to know exactly why that person might've done such a thing or like what might've happened in their past or what led to them doing such a thing, what's going on with their mind. Maybe they have a disability, they had a fucked up past. I don't know. Like, so maybe the like the prerequisite for hatred is to like understand the whole picture like if you understand everything about it and you still like have this emotion of hatred maybe that justifies it yeah and then it's also like i know it's kind of a thin line but like there's like also anger which i think can be perfectly fine like you're very angry this happened but it's kind of good like I guess the main thing, especially with like societal issues, like, oh, school shootings or whatever, 
it's very good to like not be blinded by just anger and hatred and just make rash decisions but like actually try to like really understand like what why are kids getting so messed up or what is like we've created like society isn't just this you know ambiguous thing like it is the sum of all the people who are in it and it's like it is on its members to try to think of ways like they contribute to problems or the ways that they can fix problems as opposed to just kind of have these like pretty just underdeveloped one take conversations that they'll have with people and then it never really goes further than that which is just you know it's not very satisfying yeah Yeah. and i'm like not trying to be political either but like just with like the recent like you all the uvalde mass shooting um and everyone or a lot of people not just not everyone but a lot of people are like oh we need to change the second amendment or that, that like gun laws need to be more strict or we need to um the second amendment should be eradicated blah, blah, blah. and i understand i understand that but it's also um there's also mental health issues with it as well like if we see the past of the shooter and i'm, I'm not condoning his actions but i'm saying that um he had a pretty fucked up past so it's just like we also have to we have to we can't just if it's something like mass shooting we can't just look at oh it's a gun problem like it can be several different issues it could also be mental i mean as we saw with the pandemic like america's mental health infrastructure is absolute dog shit like that was a huge problem back in 2020 and i mean like the i feel like that's another symptom of that is the like continual mass shootings like yes i'm not going to deny that like the availability of guns like does play a role in that but it is like you know it's a problem within a problem and like any sort of you know i guess i said problem and not enough a lot but problem in society you know it's there's going to be multiple layers to it so how do we fix because yeah these are kind of national issues which are which are can be cool to talk about but um if we want to localize this podcast is about or we don't, we usually don't talk. We we're open to talk about anything really, but sometimes it feels like those are a little bit more out of our control. But like, yeah, no, I I agree. I feel like you know, the more like political side of things is best left to it, professionals. It doesn't, it doesn't completely affect our lives either. Like, it doesn't fucking matter if a Democrat or Republican is president. Like, our lives going to be the same. Like, and people just put so much like, um, especially like during elections, they're like, oh my god, like this dude became president we're all fucked like no like you're (laughs) i mean i think that it's a very like it's indicative of our privilege like as william and mary students talking about that you know because like yes it does affect some people like the poorer people but you know i won't i won't disagree with your point like i really nothing changed democrat or republican for me yeah i mean like, actually, I don't know. I, I, was, I, I don't know what I was going to go there. <laughs> huh? Or say whatever was on your mind. Well, okay. So if we're talking about political oppositionism, like Democrat versus Republican, um, 
I feel like one thing that's more relevant to women Mary is how much like the division in those in itself is a bigger problem than like a lot of the issues they talk about. I feel like because it's like, are you kind of saying like, oh, if someone is a Republican, like they can associate with them or something? Yeah, like it, it gets kind of it, it it creates a very toxic environment for people who are either moderate or Republican or like even, I don't know, Democrat, but not as Democrat as some other people. Like there is definitely a set of beliefs that are like expected of people in college. Yeah. And if you don't believe it, you like get the fuck out of my face or like, or like on Instagram, you'd see people like, Oh, if if you don't agree with what I'm saying, just unfollow me. Like, yeah. Hey bitch. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I remember I used to like post political stuff on Instagram when I was younger, but then I realized like it's so fucking stupid because I'm not actually helping anyone. This isn't like a, this isn't doing jack shit, you know. But I don't know. I think like what you say about William and Mary, that is one thing I've noticed like the about being in a fraternity is that like we have brothers of all different political beliefs too. And that's like it is a, a good way to like cooperate and act, like have a respectful conversation with someone of opposing beliefs, you know, because like you know, it's just like a mutual respect of brotherhood that's just, you know, extended to everyone. So you can't fuck that up. Yeah. So I'm saying like, that's a good example. Like that should be applied to, you know, like the William and Mary brotherhood or sisterhood where it's like, you know, you see someone, they might have a different opinion than you, but like, you don't hate them. You know, you don't say that, call them nasty names or say all sorts of things. Like you just kind of acknowledge that they exist. And I mean, you don't have to associate with them necessarily, but you shouldn't, you know, condemn, you shouldn't be condemning people left and right over things like political issues. I mean, one way I like to think about that is like, I know with some issues you can't really use this logic, but like we, like, I like to think that like at the end of the day, we all have the same goal of like, you know, making this country a better place, like Democrat or Republican. We just have different ideas of how to get there. So it's like, you know, I guess it's like, that's sort of how I think about it in terms of like, you know, that's, we should aim to cooperate and like these people, like I shouldn't hate them for their beliefs, you know? Yeah. And collaboration is probably a much better way of getting like problems solved. Cause if you're viewing them as just problems that need to be solved, cause people try to attach the identity to the problems. Like, like they get, they get very passionate about it, which is like fine, but you are trying to solve the problem at the end of the day. So you don't want to, you don't want to create new problems that are going to distract from the previous problem by like encouraging hatred or even more attacks on each other. Cause I think like, I don't know, like left and right extremist groups are fighting and it just gets all crazy. Yeah. Would you say like radicals or like extremists are like very entrapped into the matrix? Either of you could answer that. Oh, I think definitely that's like the epitome of it especially within the United States. I mean, like every country is going to have extremists, but speaking from like someone who studies American politics the most out of anywhere, it's like, it definitely is you buy completely into this idea to follow a leader. And like that leader is the embodiment of this structure. So 
you know, I, I would say that political extremists are, you know, the most extreme form of people within this system. Yeah, and I'd say most of them don't really have like realistic hopes of making much of a difference. It's almost like a weird hobby. That's like what I don't like. It gets the political alcoholism is what I forget who called it that, but I read that somewhere. That's a but, good, um, good way to put it. Yeah, I like that <laughs> term. Political alcoholism, it gets so crazy to the point where, yeah, these people, their entire identity revolves around it. And then it's like, it doesn't even really matter if they're going to make a change or not. It is like their lifestyle habit. Like, it is I think sad. One, one way that I've heard brought up about this is that in America, like we've like capitalism and um like politics have replaced religion for a lot of Americans. Like, yes, they're still religious on paper, but the spirituality aspect of it is not as present because it's more about buying into things, be it a leader or like whatever consumerist, you know, vision there is. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I'd say also science, I think has replaced it somewhat. Like people, like, people put a lot of emphasis on, I believe in science, but science is a constant study of reality. So it's not really like something that's fully understood yet, even like studying, if you study like physics, for example, there's not a complete theory for everything. Um, Yeah. And that's the point of studying it is to like, you always discover more, I guess. Yeah. So it's not really like something, it's not something to say you believe in because it's like a field of study. It's like, it's it's something you say I study, but you don't say I believe in science or like, yeah, sure. You can trust scientists or you can believe what they say, but like, it is not really a belief system that substitutes. Yeah. That is one thing I don't get is like, you know, yes, I get like, there's a symbolic nature of saying you believe in science, but like you study things, you study the natural world, but it's like, science isn't like a belief structure like you said it's just what humans do yeah and it's it's changes a lot and i think mental i think psychology is going to change drastically because even a lot of it's based on like carl um carl jung and he came up with like the terms extrovert and introvert and just a lot of his research is a lot of what um, modern psychology is based off of but they don't even teach a lot of the things he considered really important like they I don't think they talk about shadow work or individuation which goes into ego death and like briefly shadow work is facing your shadow self so um it's often the things you hate are things that you personify that you don't are you don't like about yourself so you um direct your hatred towards the person who who has those traits without even you don't even might not even realize it so like i don't know like i think modern psychology doesn't do enough to to really make the individual reflect on their shadow self or their kind of like evil side not not really like pure evil but it's more like the unconscious everyone has an evil side or is that like only some people have that it's kind of like everyone has the shadow. It's kind of the part you suppress. Like it might be weird desires, whether they're like sexual or um, violent or like just character traits you don't like. A good one could be someone who's very serious, doesn't like goofballs or whatever, because they're like, they've built up this very serious persona. And now they're like, oh, you're too foolish or you're 
you're not taking this seriously enough, but it's because they're like, they might be insecure about how like they're super serious and they're not happy about it. That's like one example. Yeah. And then, um, um, Anton, have you watched, I mean, you probably watched the dark Knight, right? With- yeah. I saw it a while ago, <clears throat> but, um, like if we've seen all like Marvel or like DC movies, like Joker is not the most, like powerful villain like there's like thanos and all that but people fucking love joker like people are dressed up as him for halloween i don't know for everything but he's just a dude he's just a dude that's crazy but it's like people fucking love him is because i guess the evil in a way also um shows the truth shows reality uh because joker um one of his one of the things that he was, I read more about it, that he was trying to portray in The Dark Knight was that um, basically the false sense of perception everyone has about themselves that like, if someone like the Batman, he's a very like, oh, needs to put everything into order. Um, the good needs to destroy the bad. But Joker is like, I don't give a fuck about anything. Like, like he's a very nihilistic person and i feel like in terms of the matrix like he's almost there but he took the wrong exit like he's yeah. trying, trying to go to williamsburg but he ended up in like virginia tech or something but <laughs> 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 but like um what i'm trying to say is that like he's got it down that like yeah life is essentially meaningless and then that's why like people in terms of like looking at the evil and stuff like that um people are like whoa um I get what they're saying because it it's part of the truth, but it's also they have to suppress it part of it because of the society we live in, but it's also because it's not intrinsically what we want to do, right? Like we want we don't want to harm others. That's how I just see it. Yeah. I, I feel like Joker. Oh. Or sorry. Go ahead. Okay. I feel like Joker is like the ultimate shadow because even you guys are talking about how like it would be cool to see things descend into chaos or at least it'd be interesting. Like, I don't know. So it's kind of like, he kind of embodies that idea of just complete chaos, um, hating the matrix. Cause like, I mean, Ratchet, we could have ended up like the Joker for matrix hunters. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we have a little bit of different way of going about, um, resisting it, but yeah. Anton, you were saying, Oh, I was just going to say, is his one motive to create chaos. What do you say? that's definitely part of it yeah he's just like a very yeah no that's a that's a pretty good embodiment of what it is he and likes to put people in like tough he likes to see the people the matrix people will call them like he likes to see them have to face up to their own paradoxical values because like the boat the boat scene where there's the bomb on each one it's kind of like they're not supposed to like a matrix person might think, oh, you don't blow up the boat with the prisoners because like, you know, they have to be go through the court of law or like we can't condemn them to death just because they did something wrong. And so that might be their morals. But then you put the actual like switch in their hand and you say one of you is going to have to blow up. It kind of it's like tests. It tests people who have belief systems. Like, I think that's what he's yeah. do. So I guess this is this is definitely extrapolating from the broad idea of that, but like kind of moving on to a new point. Do you think that people who have this sort of system built up are naturally bound to face 
I don't know, a moment of like comeuppance where like, uh, like, do you think people will have those in their life where they have to face like a change or something like, like realization? Yeah. Like I, or like, I don't know, some, some sort of like correction of like, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's like, you know, divine intervention as like some religions would think, but like, you know, something happens to someone. Is that natural or is that just random? I think it, I'm trying to think. it's like basically when they have to face up to the paradox, a paradox within the matrix society or just society in general. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Where like, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of a good one. Like a paradox, so I guess one that I had to face was gossip because I realized I never enjoyed gossiping about people, but I felt I had to do it because you wanted to fit in. Yeah. And when I say yeah, gossip, yeah. I don't mean just talking about other people. I mean, talking about them in a very like demeaning way, just so I could feel better about myself. Cause like we do talk about other people on this podcast, but it's not like, even if we're making like jokes, it's not like I want to see them suffer. Or I don't want to see them improve. It's more like remembering a funny story. Whereas a gossip is more like, Oh, remember what this person did. They were so stupid. Something like, harmful. Ha, ha. Yeah. And so then I realized like a paradox I had to live up to was like, I was very certain the people who were gossiping to me were also gossiping about me. And it's kind of this idea where it's like the ego has to decide, like, are you going to blind yourself to the fact that yes, this person's probably talking about how weird you are or like saying like, Oh, Peter is this awkward dude or something like he's so like, he doesn't know what's going on. And so like the ego does not want to face up to that because the ego wants to think, oh, I'm the one talking about other people, but no one, surely no one else is talking about me behind my back. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just a paradox you're going to have to own up to. Like, are you going to be, are you going to be in the cycle of gossip? Are you going to surround yourself with those people? And then that's when like a, a change might happen. Yeah. So like, what do you say like starting to think about that was the change that you faced? Like that these people would talk about you too? Yeah, it's kind of like a level of awareness because, you know, there's always like people will be like, oh, if the, the person who's always talking, like gossiping to you, it's probably gossiping about you. Like, I know yeah, that's like, no, I, I think a lot of people have found bad. that to be true the hard way. Yeah, so I just became more aware of it. And I was like, okay, trying to cut that out of my life now. And it's very difficult, especially if you're surrounded by <laughs> a lot of matrix people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you think gossip can ever be a good thing? <laughs> um, nah. I mean, like, personally, no, just as a general thing. But I do recognize that, like, gossip can, up, like, I don't know, help someone in a situation. You know, like, let's say, like, it's a positive rumor that someone wants spread about them, like, and maybe they even set it in motion. That's, like... I still think in the long run, that's not good to just to have that like system exist. But in the short term, it does like, you know, help that person. I always yeah. thought gossip had a negative connotation. Like maybe that's a different, maybe there might be a new word for that. We can make up like, um... oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, yeah, I can't like... think of it. <laughs> no, no, but even, even if there's negative things spreading, I watched a video about it and 
yes, like this is again, uh, I guess talking about the matrix, but it's like uh, basically the person in the video was talking about how a reason why gossip could be a good thing is that maybe what that person might be doing is possibly like affecting the society or like more people and yes they don't have the guts to say say that to that person but in a way of like saying it to a lot of people it restricts that person from still doing that thing and even though I still think that's morally wrong but it kind of makes sense I don't know what, what are your guys' views on that? I I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I mean I guess that's hard it's kind of hard to Yeah, that it, that is definitely a hard statement to follow up on, you know. I'm not sure how to like gather my thoughts. So it was good. So we'll just put a period on that. Um, or, <laughs> or unless there's more you want to add. It's bad, but it, it, in my opinion, it's always bad. I didn't agree with the person in the video. <laughs> okay. So we all think gossip is bad. Um, so Anton, are there any paradoxes you've noticed in, um, you know, people you've talked to where, you know, they say one thing, but it contradicts another thing they believe in, or you just notice like paradox is synonymous with like contradictory behavior in a person that you might've realized or noticed. I mean, I think like encountering a lot of people, there's what they say versus what their actions say, you know, cause you can like, you can have these desires to do one thing, like, I don't know, have some successful position in your life but if you don't do jack shit for it then like you know it's just empty dreams so I guess that's like that's one example of it but also there's like the more two-faced nature of the same thing of like you know maybe someone being all friendly and thinking they're this like great person that's never in the wrong and everyone likes and then like the other side of their actions really just determine like complete self-centeredness and no regard for other people so, you know, I guess it's more so like, I'd say the greatest distinction I see is between uh, words and actions. There's, um, I, I don't think there's any person in this world that like, I don't know if you see them or like, you're like, wow, like that he should like, he should lead by example. Like he's someone that you want to be, but I don't think anyone, everyone has their flaws and if you're too perfect, deep down, you must be a fucked up motherfucker. Because yeah. <laughs> I've, I've seen that. Like, there's people that I met where other people are like, wow, this is such a great guy. But when I saw, when I was no longer, when that person no longer benefited from me, like, I, he was, he didn't see me in any sort of benefit, then I saw his true nature. I saw his true colors and then I realized wow like his true colors are terrible like this is not something I would not I would want to continue associating with you know yeah I I've definitely had experiences like that too 
Yeah, I think a massive paradox I've noticed is, especially with college students, this makes, makes no sense to me is how people are going to be like, oh, once I have all of this stuff, like they'll complain all the time, but then they'll be like, okay, once I have all this money and my career figured out, then I'll be happy. But it's kind of very bizarre because a college student is, you know, you're pretty free, sort of. I mean, you have your standard of living is already great. I mean, compared to most of the world. And that's how these, that's another thing is like a lot of these materialists will be like, oh, the standard of living is what associates, I associate with happiness. That's why they're obsessed with the career. That's why like you were saying people idolize schoolwork because it's like, oh, um, that might be one part of it is like, I needed the best career. I need the most money. Like, yeah. It's also like, if you're not happy now, I don't know like your standard of living is already better than what 95, 96% of the world. I don't, I don't know what the percentage is, but like, yeah, like you're, it's a very privileged position to be in college. And also like, especially in America, like college is engineered to be so fun that it really is going to be probably the most fun you're going to have in four years of your life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's I wouldn't yeah it's like it's definitely a very fun time you know surely people break like oh I've had all more year, fun years if I become like a pop star or something after yeah but like yeah yeah but you're right it, it typically could be the most fun you have um but it, yeah like the people who spend so much time complaining about even like national stuff or just like saying they won't be happy until this changes it's kind of like it's like, what are you waiting for? Like, you think politics is going to resolve itself in your lifetime. I mean, they're like, what was it? The Whig party versus like the democratic Republicans all the way back in like early (laughs) 1830s. It's like, yeah, I don't think political oppositionism is ever going to end. So like, you might want to start rethinking what you attach your happiness to. Like you can, yeah, sure. You can do political activism, but don't, don't identify with its outcomes because you will be very disappointed that it doesn't amount to as much as you hoped. Yeah. And that's also with like personal issues as well. It's like, people are like, Oh, like based on my circumstances with everything that's going around with me or like my family issues that like, I cannot be my most happy self, but that's bullshit. Like you can be happy in any situation. Like, I could be in Guantanamo Bay and be the happiest man alive, right? But it's like, we don't need to be dependent on our circumstances to be happy. It's, we can choose to do that. And that's basically, that's a lot what we talked about in the last episode, but it's just happiness comes from within. That's what I've learned in the, since I've learned in the last few months. Yeah. I definitely would agree with that. Although I feel like, you know, I probably would be a lot less happy if I was at Guantanamo Bay being like, <laughs> right now, you know, not gonna lie. So I feel like happiness comes from within if some, like the most basic needs are met. Like if you have food, water, shelter, then like you can be happy with what you have. But if you're like, I don't know, if you're like starving or like someone's actively hunting you, you know, something like that, I feel like it would be hard to be happy. Peter, what's your mind wandering on? 
No, nah, just thinking more about happiness, how it's people just don't have a good understanding of it. Like people say they're on their pursuit to happiness or a lot of people say that's the meaning of their life, but I don't think people really focus on what has made them happy in the past. Like it just, it, that's what boggles my mind is how these people get so caught up in the everyday thing that like they could go years or even their entire life without thinking about what they really want. And And honestly, I feel like so many people want just what's sold to them, you know? Yeah, like maybe they just want to fit in. But I don't think like. I don't think fitting in ever made anyone's life fulfilled ever. (laughs) Yeah, like, I mean, think about it, like if you're depressed and you buy like, you know, an Audi or something like sure you get momentary like excitement for buying a new car but you really just spent money and you're still depressed like yeah and then they're probably going to go through buyers or more which will make them more depressed because like that's a thing you get so caught up in like i wanted this then you buy it you might even just feel regret like buyers or more sucks yeah but, um, <laughs> but like I feel like a person who's less materialistic is less likely to experience buyers and more. So they don't really care about the thing they bought. And it's probably going to give them more joy because they're more like, you know, like as a person who's obsessed with keeping my Audi needs to be like super clean. It never leaves the garage. But you got this dude who like doesn't really care about his Audi. He's just doing like donuts in the, you know, <laughs> it's like suburban yeah, cold yeah. attack. And, you know, he might wreck it, but it's like, hell, he got his use out of it. Like that's, he had his fun. Yeah. No, that's definitely like, it's on the topic of cars. It's interesting because I inherited like a Prius from my grandparents. So it's like, you know, not really considered a fun or cool car, but like, I will say that it's really about like, you know, if I have my friends in it, it doesn't matter what the fuck kind of car it is. Like if I'm hanging out with people, that's like, I get happiness from that, you know? Yeah. So I feel like it really is like experiences and people are what like give you happiness. And also like maybe like, you know, inner peace as well as the greatest source, but like things, I'm not sure. I think one of the greatest gifts we're given, and this was actually a, I think I've, I told this to Peter before, but it's a quote from uh, Kung Fu Panda. So basically, you know, you know, Master Uruguay, right? Oh, of course. <laughs> so basically before he died, um, he was telling, he was telling Shifu, like he was saying yesterday is history, but tomorrow is a mystery. But today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. And I'm like, wow that's fucking brilliant and like pretty insightful yeah and, and like on the topic of happiness like um the the most the greatest gift we're given is being in the present and we can we can stem the most happiness just being in the present like present is the greatest thing that's given to us and it's constantly it keeps on going and a present is just like i don't even know how to describe the present but it's just like it's a 
it's amazing <laughs> i don't know <laughs> well the only time we live is like in the present you know it's like the past and the future are things we think about but the present is what is ongoing yeah so anton are you happy <laughs> right now or just in general i guess just in general i mean yeah i guess so happy enough it's not like i'm experienced the greatest joys of my life but like i'm not unhappy things aren't going bad you know have you gone through like an exuberant stage there's been times where it's like everything is lining up and i'd say the best way to describe it is just like things feel like they're accelerating yeah you know? like you start oscillating yeah yeah <laughs> oscillating faster and faster means like moving back and forth right yeah you're it's kind of just like movement in general yeah yeah so you like you're like a you went from an infrared ray into an ultraviolet ray so you're like you know your frequency starts picking up you know you're getting you're getting hyped like things start moving faster it just i feel like more experiences like new people stuff like that that like that's when i'm happiest is like during a stage of that but then usually like I feel like that exuberant happiness is unsustainable sometimes because it's like I can't go months and months of just feeling that way. So after it, there's always a sense of like, damn, that was fun. But it's like it's over, you know? Yeah. So like I think like do you guys get that ever where it's like after a really fun thing, you're just kind of sad for a bit because it's like, well, you know, okay, like I was that's what I was like looking forward to. It was great. It happened. Yeah, like kind of like coming back from like an amazing vacation and then you're just like, damn, like now it's over. And it's it's like something you were waiting for for like a year or something and now it's gone. So it's like shit. Um, You wish that you could go to to the past, but it's also like it creates an opportunity to do something even greater in the future. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the the lulls can be a bit annoying, but I think like you can shorten the lulls to the point where you can get you can get more peaks out of your troughs is how i'd put it like you can get it's i guess it is about increasing the frequency i guess and also like <clears throat> i've done a better job now about either feeling neutral or feeling good and i think you it seems like you're good at that too anton because you said you haven't been through much you yeah, you go through like cyclic so. depression really so that's obviously good. Yeah. Maintenance, I guess. Um, yeah. Your lights in the background are oscillating, Peter. <laughs> so they're oscillating? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oscillation gang. You're kind of like flowing. Kind of like a cavern. Like a, like lights on a cavern wall. Mm. Yeah. That's what I always liked about that light. I like, I used to have one in this room too, but like, I forgot where I put it. Yeah. For any audience members listening who have no clue what we're talking about, because this is an audio. Oh yeah. I forgot about Um, that. (laughs) I have have different lights. I have like a laser show light. And right now I have this thing I call the vibe light, which is this kind of water pattern of uh iridescent colors and it just kind of flows on the wall creating like i described earlier this cavern like um when you know when you're uh, like 
in those movies because no one actually ends up in these places unless you're lucky enough but when they're in like a cavern with like water in it and the water is reflecting light on the cave walls kind of is how i would best describe it and i mean i've been in a cave with water in it before but there just like wasn't enough light to really see much yeah so it is a very specific um environment and metaphorically the lights you said it's a vibe light so it is setting the vibe of this chat or of this uh, conversation yeah it's like the centerpiece right here yeah the darkness helps calm me down i don't like being looked at that's why i also bought a lot more sunglasses like um because i don't like people being able to see my eyes too much i think it It is nice to have the sunglasses to like hide a bit i i do definitely feel that and I also think sunglasses um, are underrated because, like, it is one of the few thing got few things guys can wear. Like these are. Um, hey, you still have the tag on those, I think. Just yeah, I do. I, do. <laughs> <laughs> I just got these, but um, it's like, dude, it's like a nose piece for them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like, yeah, I don't know. Guys, those, those, those are cool. Yeah, I, I like those. Yeah, I'll wear them to the next time Oscillation Gang hangs out. Dude, this Friday, bro. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. dude, to work this Friday, but... Oh, dang. Wait, where, you working for... Um, where do you work again? I mean, I, like, so I have two jobs. I'm a researcher, and then the work I have there is Domino's, so... Okay. I deliver pizzas. What do you research? Uh, autocracy in Malawi. It's through the Global Research Institute. Oh. But they got, dictatorship. The, yeah, they um were like a former British colony that was ruled by this dude, um, Hastings Kamuzu Banda for like, I think like 35 years. I don't remember off the top of my head, but he was like this crazy personalist dude who like wore a full English suit and carried a cane and was like, you know, it, it just was this crazy dictatorship where like, you know, all the coins had his head on him. All like women had to wear dresses with his picture, like. It like it, a bunch of weird shit, but yeah, I like I kind of got assigned that project, so I'm like rolling with it now. That's definitely interesting. <laughs> um, how long have we been doing this for, dude? It's been we started at like nine fifteen, and yeah. it's like almost eleven. Yeah, okay, so yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, dude, so, this. Like, do you, do you cut, like, and edit these at all? Or do you just, like, post the whole, like, audio on Spotify? I usually post the whole thing. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So, okay. not, yeah. No, I, I mean, yeah, know. I guess, like, I'm not, I'm not sure how cringe I've been, but. No, nah, you were perfectly fine, dude. <laughs> yeah. All right. That, that's good to hear. Yeah. There's nothing cringe about a genuine conversation. In fact, these are, these are so rare. They're actually the most satisfying. But um, Actually, it, if you were not genuine, I would say that you were cringe. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So, Anton, I'd say you are 7.49 out of 10 matrixes. Um. <laughs> so that's a good score <laughs> seven four uh, nine respectable so all you need to work on is getting really depressed and then 
like committing suicide on your metaphysical ego as a way of attaining non-self and then you can transcend into the eighth sphere of reality but i just get an ego death through like doing acid or something yeah that's you can do that as well yeah that seems like (laughs) you don't have to be depressed (laughs) oh wait can i play the can i play outro music oh yeah yeah go for it yeah